You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. So good morning, church. Wonderful, wonderful morning to be with you here and to enjoy the Lord on this day. If you don't know anything about the Ranch Church, know that we love Jesus. Uh, We pray that with our lives and every part of it that we give him glory and that we love you. And uh, so we love Jesus. We love you. We want to glorify God. We want to be about the Lord's business. We want to be about the Lord's business in a very godly and honorable and orderly way as the Lord would have it. And so for this Easter message, I want to be in Acts chapter 3. And uh, the title of this message is, A Lot Can Happen. And so as you make your way there, I'll read just one verse here of Acts chapter 3, verse 1, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate to ask alms, of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, and he did as he did John. And he said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Let's pray. Father, we pray now, God, that you would visit us the strong power, the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, for your presence to be in the midst of everyone here. And I pray, Jesus, through the preaching and teaching of your word, that you would enter our hearts and burn, Lord God, the things inside of us that you need to give attention to. And so, Lord Jesus, we love you. We give you praise and glory. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Yeah, so the title of this message is, A Lot Can Happen. So there was this very interesting graphic that was actually trending on social media. And I'm not really the biggest fan of social media. And a lot of things that are related to Christ are actually on social media are not biblical and not godly and not right. But this one was. And you got to know that's something special when it's on. It's all the three generations of Facebook, right? Because 20-somethings, they tell me that, like, that's, that's my generation, right? Pastor, that's for you. You're older. Facebook is for you, right? That's what 20-somethings tell me. And so then others tell me that, you know, if you're in your 30s or whatever, maybe 40s, you're into Instagram. That's for us. If the, you know, this is still our day, Pastor, and Facebook's for you. And, and then, of course, if you're a teenager or something else, uh, then there's TikTok, which I don't even I don't even know what that is. (laughs) But on all these different social media platforms, there was a graphic and said, it said a lot can happen. And then a lot can happen in a short time, a lot can happen in a week. And it was actually Palm Sunday was the first part of the graphic. And a very, you know, godly, humble graphic there of Palm Sunday. And then it had, it had a Good Friday, what we call Good Friday, and a correct graphic for Good Friday. And then the resurrection of Jesus, which is today, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. And it said a lot can happen in a week. A lot can happen in a season of life. A lot can happen in a moment when you would give your life to Jesus. A lot can happen. And so we have these moments in life, in Christ, and then just in sort of the larger realm of life where a lot can happen in these moments. They're not always all positive. You know, in a moment, I suppose you could say that you could win the lottery. 
And, and there have been like some really large numbers in the lottery. I can't even count that high. Uh, and so somebody has won, you know, these like really high obscene numbers of the lottery. And, and so you might say, boy, I'd like that. And you might say, wouldn't that be great for them? But you know, the statistics on people who have won really big lotteries is actually tragic. Uh, you wouldn't wish that on them. It actually destroys their lives. But in a moment, you could win the lottery. So in a moment, I, I suppose it would be fair to say you could get married. You know, and that's a beautiful thing. You know, boy, boy loves girl. Like, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, right? Okay, so, so listen, I'm going to embarrass my wonderful Italian friend, uh, Leonardo. I think you're far in the back. Give me a big wave out there, brother. You're right there. Okay, is, is Meg with you? Is Megan with you? Can you give me a big wave? I know, I know. So, Leonardo, can you give me a shout? What's going to happen in a week? Are you putting a ring on that girl? A lot can happen in a week. <laughs> and, 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 and so this is an Italian-Irish couple. She's Irish. She's O'Malley. You're O'Malley. That's a power team right there. Right? Oh, we're very excited. We love you, Megan. We love you. And we love you, Leonardo. And we're, we're just cheering you on. We're cheering you on. So that is in a week. They're going to get married. In a moment, you're not married. You know, and some people live together and all of that. And so, listen, I'm here to tell you that one of the differences in Christ is that when you're living together, whatever you want to tell me, if you accept, if you actually accept the scriptures, what you're saying when you live together is, if I don't like this, I'm out of here. I know that's not what people say, <laughs> right? That's not why people are living together. But that is, in fact, what you're doing Marriage is the sacred covenant where we say it's you and me all the way to the end, and in Christ's name, we're going to make it. Isn't that beautiful? I understand how those things can go awry. There's no judgment. I understand that. So let's keep going. Moments that will change your life. Moments that will change your life, you can have a baby. That'll change your life. Yeah. That'll take all your money, all your sleep. Make you very happy all at once. A moment I'll change your life. Well, you can get a job. You can get hired and you get a job. That'll change your life, praise the Lord. And you can get fired from a job. That'll change your life. Lastly, on a lot can happen. You'll enjoy this. So I really like this guy named Alex Hanold. Alex Hanold climbed El Cap in under three hours as free solo, and it's incredible for him to do this, the height and everything. He was able to free climb this thing uh, in under three hours. There was also a guy, he had way too much time on his hands during the pandemic. And so he, he took a Rubik Cube and he broke the Rubik Cube speed record in a moment of time, and he did it in under 15 seconds. Now, if you're a math whiz out there, raise your hand. You're my friend, okay? Anybody mathematical want to give it up there? No, so yeah, so, so math, math people go, well, I, I don't, I don't, no? I'm not making fun of you guys. But if you're really into math, you understand that there's something weird with that because you can do a Rubik's Cube in three or four seconds. People have done it. Except this guy named Mohammed Ayman broke the world record of a Rubik's Cube in 15 seconds because he did it with his toes. That's when you have way too much time on your hand. 
Alex trained for 14 years to climb El Cap at that speed, and Mohammed said he practiced for more than 10 years of his youth. And so it comes down to our text here as we say, a lot can happen in a life walking with Jesus. If you were taking notes or tapping in your digital device, that would be a great first bullet point. A lot can happen in a life given to Christ. A lot can happen in a life that starts walking with Jesus. I don't care where you're at. The the, the universal Christian story, the testimony, is that we were once lost and we got found. And some people in their lostness have, you know, really, really serious, dark stories that they tell. Others sometimes just had an understanding of that. But they were lost because of their sinfulness. They were found because the grace of God has actually saved them. A lot can happen in a life that walks with Jesus. And a lot can happen in a moment given to Jesus. That's what Easter's all about. This moment where a life is given to Christ. And I know this personally. I am not just preaching the academics. I I, I needed God's forgiveness. I totally did. I needed God's divine acceptance. And I could not gain it from myself. I wanted to. As a much younger man, I wanted it to be about me. And, And it was the cross and the power of forgiveness, divine acceptance. And in that moment, in that moment of giving my life to Christ, everything changed. Everything changed. I, it's, it's almost, I'd almost kind of try not to rant like a crazy guy to describe it. And, and, and so, so here I was, a brand new believer. I, I actually had my Bible out. I'm in Mission Beach, San Diego, and I'm a young man in his 20s, and I'm reading my Bible. I'm trying to understand it, and a, and a man comes up to talk to me, and he's sick, and he, you know, he thinks I'm something not, and he goes, can you pray for me? And I go, well, uh, Sure. I'm really new at this, you know, I mean, really, really new at this. I'll read you the one sentence I just read because that's all I know. And so he, he had, he, he, he was ill, more like, like a flu or something like that. He says, well, will you, will you pray for me? And all I could say is, well, I, I've, I've read a couple stories where Jesus healed people. I don't know how to do that. But I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll try and pray. I mean, I'm just that new at it. And so I just go something like this. I go, you know, and I don't, and you can tell my immaturity, like I changed my voice and intonation. I don't know why I did that. Oh, God. <laughs> Willest thou now come upon the person infirmed here? Like, I don't know why I got to do like some Shakespearean old English or whatever, you know? And uh, just it kicks in. But I just grabbed him and I said, I just pray, brother that if Jesus be healed in you, then I guess be healed now. I didn't even say amen. I didn't know to say amen. That dude got healed right there. And I, and I, I remember looking at the Bible going, what happened to you? And, and I'm reading my Bible another time, a week or two after giving myself a Christ, and, and a girl wants, wants to read the Bible with me, and I'm reading it to her. She gives her life to Christ. She's walking with the Lord this day. Saw a business guy about two or three weeks later who wanted to take his own life. And I didn't even know this guy. I'm wondering why in this place he's telling me this dark story about all of these things. And I remember saying, I didn't know demons. I didn't know angels. I didn't really know that much. Again, I'm telling you that a moment can change your life when you give it to Christ. When you give your life to Christ. 
when you get over yourself, when you get over your self-righteousness, when you get over trying to justify yourself before God, when you're willing to just fall down at that cross and repent of your sin and say, God, if you want to save me, then I'll be saved. When you get to that spot, when you have that moment, when you're saved. And so this guy, I go, I don't know what's going on with you, bro. All I know is there's something nasty inside you. Like, I'm sure I insulted him or something. You know, and he's obviously afflicted with demons. He had all things. I don't, and I just go, I'm, I'm just going to pray now for whatever is nasty inside you to come out because I don't, I don't like, I don't even want to touch you. Like, you know, and I pray for him and he, he gets, he gets delivered and gives his life to Christ. I, I tell those things to you as a way of appropriate, just personal testimony to let you know that the, the story that we're talking about in the scriptures here, that in a moment of time, Christ can come into your life, forgive you of your sins. You can be full of the Holy Spirit. You can possess the power of the Holy Spirit, and you can enter in a community that will love you. That's the church. Too many people think that the church is somehow, you know, they, they just, I hear this all the time, like, well, well, do I have to be perfect to get there or something? Just stop that. Like, like, snap out of it. Like, tell me a church, especially here in the Ranch Church or any other church, and there are other godly churches out there. You know what? No godly church in the Scriptures ever thinks that they're all that. We're all broken. We're coming to Christ because we don't have the answers. We're coming to Christ because the Bible is the only truth. And because we have guilt and shame and stories that sometimes we want to tell and sometimes we don't want to tell, and we need the power of the cross, God himself, to get that guilt and shame off it because we're dying from it. And so you get the opportunity to go on a journey inside a church of broken people being saved and delivered and healed. That's a community that will love you. We're here now in Acts chapter 3. Thank you for letting me do that. Let me uh, keep moving. Acts chapter 3, which verse 1 says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. That is actually after Jesus' resurrection. So Jesus is actually resurrected from the dead for 40 days. He's another 10 days uh, up to Pentecost. That's a Jewish festival that traditionally is in May and June. And Jesus actually told the disciples to wait there. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit descends upon those first believers. Peter gets up as a man who denied Christ and with bold power just begins to preach Christ. And so let's talk about the resurrection for a moment. The resurrection, first and foremost, perfectly matches history. Any history friends out there? Anybody I love history out there? I love trading books with you guys, you know? So I love history. I love history too much. Let me just tell you in cursory words that the resurrection of Jesus Christ perfectly matches history. First bullet point on that one. People, places, and things. People. A guy like Herod, a guy like Pontius Pilate, a guy like Caesar. You know, that, those people and the time period and all of that is perfectly describes them and many, many others. Not to mention Jesus Christ himself. Place, Jerusalem, ancient Jerusalem matches exactly what the Bible is describing in terms of religion and politics and faith and sociology and engineering and all the buildings and all the people and very, very specific descriptions are there in the Bible. And the Bible matches that history perfectly, unlike any other document. So it perfectly matches history, people, places, and things. Secondly, it perfectly matches biblical prophecy. 
and 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 this is where the Old Testament is speaking into the New Testament that we're going to need a Savior. If you want your first reference, you just go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where this is right after Adam and Eve, and, and so we have the tragic fall. I know people don't believe in the fall. Well, then why are you a mess? <laughs> like, really? Like, okay, so it's because all I'm going to tell you is that this Bible and, and it describes sin and brokenness. It describes you're a mess because of the fall. Why are you a mess? You're a mess because of the fall. So here we have Adam and Eve, the fall. And then the prophecy is that there would come a Messiah, a Savior, who would actually be struck down, uh, but he would actually crush the head of the evil one. Perfectly matches biblical prophecy and so, so many others that I could... Um, Spend hours and hours and hours uh, teaching. Perfectly matches Jesus' own words. So Jesus himself said, you're going to have to put me on that cross, and it's, I'm going to go on that cross. You have to understand, I don't know where everyone's at today, but Jesus is God. And so how did he get on the cross? How did he get on the cross? If he actually uses his divine power then Pontius Pilate and all the others that were there cannot put him on the cross. He has to show tremendous restraint and humility and actually, actually, you know, like close himself off into his humanity so that they can put him on the cross. Matches Jesus' own words. It's a timeline after the resurrection uh, of the days that I just described, and then that's where we're at here. Peter and John, followers of Jesus, at the hour of prayer, and a man is lame from birth. So yeah, we don't know how old this guy is. We just know that this has been a lifelong affliction. We don't know what it is for him to be like this, but he's been like this his whole life. They lay him daily at the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering. So this is an interesting description because there actually was a gate on the temple called Beautiful Gate. And we actually debated a little bit about what is that gate. And I like to take people to Israel and do tours. And so my best understanding would be, uh, don't laugh at this, there was a gate called a double gate. Guess how many gates were there? Two. <laughs> and then right next to it, uh, not too far off, there's a gate called the triple gate. Guess how many there are? Three. Yeah, very sophisticated, right? You just laugh. You go, okay, that's really funny. So at the double gate, it was really large, and it had a really big ceiling, and it had lots of ornate things in it that were really, really pretty. My best understanding is that this beautiful gate is actually the nickname also of the double gate by which all the throngs of worshipers were actually going in at the hour of prayer to do what we're doing right now, to worship God, to pray, uh, to worship, to tithe, uh, to have community, uh, to uh, learn from the scriptures. And so that's where they're at. At that moment, they daily lay this man there. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Now, you have to understand this man is brought there by his friends, and he's laid down at the temple. He's sadly begging in that way. And Peter directs his gaze at him. And again, this is a lot can happen in a moment. He said, and Peter just says, look. He specifically says, look at us. And I don't know what you're like in terms of your social confidence, but if somebody's really staring at you, like some of you I'm staring at right now, you're like, no, he ain't looking at me. <laughs> right? I mean, we, it brings up a little bit of insecurity. 
you know, to really look at one another. But here, here in this situation, this man is ill on the ground, and Peter says, look at us. And so, and he fixed his attention on them, which is the man who was ill. And so he returns, he returns to them uh, that which he needed. He fixes, he fixes his attention on them, and he's not going to blow them off to say it that way. And he's going to look at them very, very firmly. And so Peter will say, I have no silver and gold. That's actually good news in this context. But what I do have to you, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And that is that moment. You may not have a physical infirmity. Maybe you do. But whatever the issue is, whether you have a physical infirmity or not, your soul is more important. And you're going to have that moment where Jesus actually is asking you to rise and walk and leave behind oldness, leave behind deadness, leave behind things that are contrary to him, and actually have a new life in Christ. And so here's what I find really, really amazing about this. It's not that he said in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. Peter had seen many people like that. But look at the next verse, 7. And he took him by the right hand. Oh my, and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And so, so it's, it's not that he's just going to say, hey, I pray for you, brother, but he's going to grab him and say, up you go. Like, wow, you have a faith maybe that I probably don't possess. Like he's going to grab this guy and go, up you go. I think it's very fascinating the Bible says, and his ankles were made strong. So we don't know we don't know exactly what all of this healing looks like, just that he was healed in the sense that his ankles were made strong, strong enough to walk. And then the next verse you see it, and leaping, leaping, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Of course he is. Those of us who were once lost and found, we're really happy about Jesus. <laughs> like we're really happy about that. And without any apology, we want to tell you about our new life. And so he's leaping and praising God going on now. He says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Of course they would. Of course they would. He looks here in the text you're going to notice that they came for prayer. I'm not going to do a deep dive on prayer. I'm going to tell you, and I want you to write this down if you can, prayer is talking directly to God. It is talking directly, directly to God. And Christians, by the grace of God, are given a direct access to God, and that's actually what you want to do. You want to actually pray and talk to God. It's, it's helpful to ha know your Bible without a doubt. It's helpful to have good theology. It's helpful to have those kind of things, and we would always want to encourage that. But the principle is that you are actually talking directly to God, and it is a great privilege. There's nothing like that related to whatever your need of the hour is. And so I'm going to invite you up for prayer in a few moments. And you want to take advantage of that. And you want people praying over you. You want to surround yourself with other people who are talking directly to God. I think it's so fascinating that Peter said, look at us. And he, he, he wanted that through his life for him to see Jesus. 
And he prays in the name of Jesus. We know that the Bible says that, the, that God actually holds his, word, his name above his word, which is fantastic. And this guy gets up and walks. This, this part of the temple, and I told you that I like to lead is, tours in Israel, is so sort of awe-inspiring. Uh, Neil Armstrong, turns out, was a, the famous astronaut, was a uh, dedicated and devout follower of Jesus. And so uh, some time ago, he actually went to visit these steps in this part of the temple. And he has a famous quote where he says, I'm more excited stepping on these stones than stepping on the moon. That's incredible if you really think about it. Jesus' moments like this and like salvation last forever. And Jesus' moments last a lifetime. And I don't know where you're at right now, but I want you to engage in a Jesus moment where Christ would come in and change you. I want to reference Luke chapter 14 related to this because one of the things that you see, and I tried to emphasize at least to some degree, is that in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are there, this man is there, and this man actually doesn't resist. In other words, he's, he wants money, he wants these alms, he says, I don't have silver and gold for you. The man, in, in a sense, could have just gone like this to somebody else, but he doesn't. Peter says, look at us. He's going to cooperate. He's going to cooperate with the saving of his soul, the healing of his body. Luke chapter 14 has a story of Jesus talking about how we make excuses and how we resist God. And there's, there's, a, there's a great banquet, Jesus says. In fact, in the first part of that chapter, there's a wedding feast, and then he turns around after being asked a question or two, and he's going to talk about a great banquet. And they're not the same, the wedding feast and banquet. It's the banquet. And he says, hey, there once was a guy who started at the greatest party ever, the greatest party ever. And, and so he wanted to know who wanted to go to the greatest party ever. And I'm sure like you, you don't like missing out, right? I mean, I was actually just with a couple people a week ago, and uh, there was a social gathering that I missed out on, and we're having a little coffee together. And what's the first thing they said to me? Oh, pastor, you missed it. Oh, don't tell me that. Right? So we're all versions of that. And so, so that's the point of the part of the point of the story in Luke chapter 14, where Jesus said, There's this great banquet, and I want to go and invite everyone to this banquet. And now, now when it's the day and the moment to get to that banquet, go and actually tell people today's the day and come to the banquet. And so, so at that day, at that moment, when the announcement's made, hey, come and enter in the banquet, people have excuses. And the Bible specifically says that people have excuses. And the first guy says, You know what? I bought some land, and I got to go look at it. What? You can go look at it later. Right? But it's an excuse. So I bought some land. I'm a business guy. I'm concerned about my finances. And so I got to go look at my land. Then another guy says, Well, I, you know, I'm really into ag culture. And so I, I bought a whole bunch of oxen. And, and I've got to go look at my oxen. I got to make sure that they're doing their oxen thing. And so I can't come. And then there's a third person that says, Oh, you know, I just got married and I can't get there either. And so. And so listen, all Jesus is really saying is that it's in the nature of your humanity to make an excuse to resist the blessings and salvation that he has for your life. And if you look in your heart, you know it's true of all of us. We will make excuses. I don't know. We'll try and have intellectual excuses. I'm not sure if it's true. It's true. How much more truth do you need? 
Uh, I'm hurt. I'm hurt by people. I'm hurt by Christians. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm confused. All of these things, and they're just excuses. And God wants to now overcome your excuses by asking you to, to, to repent of them and to actually come to him. He wants, he wants to have all of you. I want you to think about what salvation means. God having all of you. You know, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. God having all of you. Do you want God to have a little bit of you? You do not want that. You want God to have all of you so you can have all of him. Secondly, church, we have to talk about this on a beautiful day like today. Many people are fools. Don't be one. Many people make excuses. And Jesus himself, Luke chapter 14, talking about all the different excuses of time management and of money and of the burdens of the world. And many people make excuses so that they can actually resist God. Many are fools. Don't be one. It is actually inside you in a nature called sin that actually wants to resist. God right now is talking to you to give your life to Christ. God right now is actually even talking to Christians who've actually heard messages like this. You've been at church services before, but you actually need to come home. I mean, if you look at your life, there's apathy. You look at your life, I've heard this. God actually wants to come home. I am so deeply moved by Luke chapter 15, where God actually runs. There's a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son is actually how that chapter is famously known. And yet in related to the prodigal son, God is actually going to run. The prodigal has been gone for such a time, for such a while, but the father is actually out looking, out looking, where is my son? And when he sees that his son has come home, what does he do, church? What's the word? He, he runs. The most fantastic blessings of coming to Christ is, is you know, like, it's such a long list. Okay, who, who really would enjoy having your sins forgiven, right? We all would, right? We would all enjoy having your sins forgiven. But then you got to ask yourself, well, maybe that's just for like today. What is it about tomorrow? I mean, okay, so maybe it's just an emotion. It's not an emotion. It's beyond that. It's truth. It's, a, it's, it's an election to be saved. It's actually faith in Christ. And so you might, you might actually think it's just an emotion. No, it's beyond that. And so, and so what you have is a new nature. So you're forgiven and the slate is wiped clean. East is from west. Shame, guilt, burdens, healings, power. But then, but then he places himself inside you and gives you his divine nature by which you can enjoy the rest of life in what's called the kingdom of God in which you can actually now have your mind open up. You have the challenge to read the Bible, some of that is because it's perhaps you're not saved and your mind hasn't opened up. All of you, all of you, God wants to have all of you so you can have all of him. God's telling you to not be a fool. Many are fools. Do not resist the invitation to actually know Christ. God is actually running towards you right now you got up in your Sunday best, Easter Sunday best. I mean, I actually dress a lot more casual than this oftentimes, but on Easter, my family habit is to dress a little nicer. And so you thought you were doing that. God was actually running to you, calling you to this place so that you could hear, so that you could know, so that you could be made brand new. And then, of course, there is a need to do these things actually right now. 
to actually have the real sense in which your moment is actually right now by which Christ wants to change your life, by which Christ wants to do all of the things that you've just spoken. And so I'm going to pray for you, church, and you're going to have to cooperate with the Spirit of God. I'm about to make all of you very uncomfortable, and it's the best thing that's ever happened to you. It's the best thing that's ever happened to you. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and I'm going to wrestle with you to actually respond. I'm going to actually ask you to give your life to Christ. Every single person who's given their life to Christ, Jesus says so, to actually do it publicly. So we have this cross here. Christ were here. If people were uh, actually on the cross, they're actually on the cross publicly. Christ was on the cross publicly, and he told everyone who ever followed him, never deny me. Do not ever deny me. I died for you publicly. I will call you out of wherever you're at publicly to make a public confession of faith. And when you respond like that, I will do miracles in your life. I will be true to my word. I'll be true to my word to never leave you and never forsake you. And so I'm going to pray right now. I don't want anybody to move. I want every single person to dig in. I want you to understand that your life can change right here, right now, because God is actually speaking to you Easter Sunday about the power of the resurrection, about the cross, about the grace of God, about the love of God that needs to invade and fill your life, and about your role in that in changing. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.